Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. The Lord sent a prophet to Eli in 1 Samuel 2.31. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. To cut off someone's arm, that meant the Lord was going to cut off Eli's strength, his influence. He would cut short the strength of Eli's family. And so after all these years, I mean, this was decades prior to where we're at. Right up until Solomon took the throne here in 1 Kings 2, this prophecy against Eli was finally fulfilled when Solomon fired Abiathar from the priesthood and sent him home, because Abiathar was straight from that priestly line of Eli. He was from Eli's line. God had delivered on the promise that he spoke through his prophet many years before, and now Abiathar is fired, and he's gone. And that's the end of Eli's line in the priesthood. Why did Abiathar join Adonijah to try to steal the throne from Solomon? Because Abiathar was tainted with this rebellious attitude that came all the way down from Eli through his sons, and it's still plaguing the priestly line. This is a good example of what a generational curse looks like. Let me show you something about that while we're here. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Okay, Abiathar hated God. He was operating in opposition to the Lord's will. And Abiathar was actually a priest for crying out loud. Look at this. Imagine thinking that there are even pastors today. They have the position. They have the role. They're out there looking the part, but in reality, they hate God, and they're working against the Lord's will. Can you imagine such a thing? But if Abiathar had honestly loved God, he would have agreed with the Lord's covenant decision to anoint Solomon to be king. He would have never turned against Solomon and joined Adonijah. That's the problem with Abiathar. But since Abiathar had an inner hatred towards God, He joined Adonijah's attempt to steal the throne. Abiathar demonstrated bad judgment from what his heart truly believed. So, to recap our study, the way that Adonijah was proven to be false was by his behavior. You know, your behavior always will rat you out on who you really are. Now, remember, Solomon had put Adonijah to a test. He said, if he comes out worthy, then good, he won't die. But if we find wickedness in him, he's going to die for it. The king was smart. Solomon was a smart guy. Adonijah could not fool him because what was really, truly in Adonijah's heart, his inner intentions would eventually prove outwardly who he really was by his actions. 
But remember that before Adonijah came to the king, he first ran off and grabbed the horns of the altar. The altar is where the people would go to ask for forgiveness of their sins. And that's why he ran to that altar, because he was saying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Oh, please forgive me. And then he bowed before the king. Oh, spare me, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But he didn't mean it. Friends, I want you to really look at this next verse. Hebrews 10, 26 says, For if we sin willfully, see that word willfully, that doesn't mean you accidentally slipped up or backslid a little bit, but you meant to do it. You wanted it. You had an inner drive, an inner hatred towards God, a rebellion. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. So Adonijah, he had the terms placed on him by the king. He says, you keep on with your craziness and you're going to die or accept the mercy and change. Have a new life about the way you see things and you will be spared. Now, Hebrews 10 here, it tells us after you receive the terms of the king, what are the terms of the king here? It says the hearing, the knowledge of the truth. That means you heard the gospel of your salvation. You heard the king's terms. But if you hear that and then you continue onward in willful sin, Adonijah was demonstrating willful sin. When you continue onward in willful sin, then there's no sacrifice left that applies to you. Christian, if you've heard the gospel of your salvation, but you're continuing in willful sin, This means there's no sacrifice of Jesus that applies to you because you never bowed to King Jesus' authority. You may have bowed, but you did not bow in submission if you're still in willful sin. Most people today have this claim. I gave my life to Jesus, but they're still persisting in willful, deliberate sin. They still look like the devil. They don't look like a Christian at all. The end result of this kind of attitude is such people are going to be condemned to a fiery, literal place called hell. And this is not a joke. Ray, you're getting awful fiery here. Well, no, the book has got the fire. Read the Bible. I didn't write it. <laughs> Remember how Adonijah grabbed onto the horns of the altar and he, he yelled, oh, spare me. His cry was loud, I'm sure. And his cry was, was uh very, his cry was very intense, but his bow was not intense. His bow was not real. He wanted to be spared, but he wanted to be spared without submitting to the king. See, you cannot be spared without bowing and submitting yourself to the king. Friend, you cannot be saved if you refuse to submit yourself to King Jesus' authority. I once went to make an airline ticket online. I went down the website I knew where I was going. I knew what my payment information was. It was my credit card. And I I knew everything, the seat that I wanted to sit in and which airline, everything. I filled all that stuff out on the website. But there's one more button that you have to hit way down at the bottom after you, even after you know all this stuff, there's one more button you have to push before it all goes through. You filled all the data out. But if you don't hit that last button called submit, the button is called submit then nothing goes through. If you fill out all the data on the website and show up at the airline, say, I'm here to take my flight, they're going to say, we don't know who you are. Why not? Well, apparently you didn't hit the submit button. Friend, if you don't submit to Jesus' authority, 
You can cry out all you want. You can know the payment information while Jesus died on the cross. You can know where you're going. Well, I want to go to heaven. And you can know the way you're going to get there like I knew the airline. Well, the way I get there is through Christ. And You can know all this stuff, okay? But if you don't hit the submit button, when you show up, they're going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. You can't come in. You don't have a way in. You've got to submit yourself to King Jesus' authority. Cry and beg all you want to. But if you continue to live your life on your own terms, refusing to obey what Jesus commands you to do, then you cannot, cannot, cannot be saved. You never hit the submit button. You need to submit. After being granted mercy from God, just like how King Solomon gave Adonijah mercy, if anyone demonstrates no measurable change, but they continue onward in a willful, resistant sin, then they will die. They will be condemned. No change, no salvation. No change, no salvation. Romans 6.18. Having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Friend, when you bow down before Jesus for real, you're genuinely sorry for your sin, and you bow down and you submit to his authority, you will change. You will definitely change, but you're being switched from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness. Those who are not living as a slave in righteousness are still living as slaves in sin. If you're still engaged in willful sin, I got to have it sin. The I love it sin. I have no remorse about it sin. It is my entire life's drive to have this sin. Then, friend, you may just not be saved and you are still in trouble, just like Adonijah was. So, was Adonijah's plea for mercy? real or not. When he bowed himself before the king, did he do it in submission to the king's authority, or did he just do it to buy himself more time to try to take his own kingdom? So many people claim, and they say, and they insist that they have given their life to Jesus, but their behavior proves that they are failing the mercy test. They have failed the burn-in. The, the let's see what you're really made of time. They have demonstrated no measurable change. They're still trying to build their own kingdom on their own foundation than rather building King Jesus' kingdom on the foundation of Jesus Christ. People that are in willful sin, they're still after money, drugs, alcohol, their own power, their own little things that have nothing to do with what God commanded at all. They're not actually doing what God tells them to do. They just don't want to do it because they never submitted to him. They're trying to build their own kingdom up. They're trying to take their own throne for themselves rather than bow to the throne of the rightful king. They never truly submitted to Jesus' authority because they do not want Jesus to reign over them. That was Adonijah's problem. He didn't want to be reigned over. He wanted to reign. Friend, you've got to be willing to be reigned over with Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, to be saved. You can't run your own life your own way. Well, it's my life. I'll do what I want to. That is the most anti-God, Jesus-hating statement there is. My life, my way? No. It's Jesus' life. Do it Jesus' way. That's the way a believer functions. So Adonijah had no regard for Solomon's authority, which meant he had no regard for the Lord's authority either. Jesus explains what happens to this kind of God-hating attitude in Luke 19.27. Bring here those enemies of mine 
who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. Oh my gosh, this doesn't sound like the Jesus I worship. And this is the Jesus of the Bible. Really, you got to get to know who your God is, who your Savior is, who your Savior could be, if you will let him. He's not going to tolerate those who reject him and work against him. He's going to rule whether you work against him or not. He's going to take the throne, not you. Solomon had this same attitude about Adonijah. Bring him here. Let's slay him right now. The same attitude that Jesus is going to have over anybody that demonstrates rebellion against him, they are going to be condemned. That is the harsh truth of the matter. Now, before you say this makes Jesus mean, understand first that we are the sinner, not Jesus. We're the ones that messed up, not him, okay? He's God. We're not. That's the whole that's like step number one of getting towards being saved is realizing he's in charge and you and you ain't, okay? God is love. We have all been offered mercy, just like Adonijah was, but also God is just, and he will condemn all those who refuse his gift of salvation, but persist against him in wickedness against the Lord's will. He is not going to tolerate it. The fact that he would offer a sinner like me and you mercy while we were still sinning tells us what kind of love he has. It's incredible. Now, the strange thing is there's a lot of people that have not bowed to Jesus. They're still in willful, willful, I said, willful sin, but they think they have tricked Jesus into saving them like Adonijah thought he tricked tricked Solomon. Just because they got down before him and begged and pleaded with him, they think that Jesus is going to have to save them. But Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8, see, you cannot fool the king. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, guys, Jesus is just too smart. You can't trick him. You can't fool him. Well, he's got to save me now because I bowed. Now I'm going to go do what I want to. You didn't you may have put, you may have got down and bowed physically, but you didn't do it spiritually. Don't be like Adonijah thinking all is well just because you once bowed down before the king. If you live your life your own way, then you never submitted to Jesus' authority. You can't fool him. Your actions are going to prove you out. Romans 2 and 6 says, God will render to each one according to his deeds. Friends, you're saved by faith. You don't have deeds to earn salvation. You're saved by faith, but you are evaluated by what you do. Saved or unsaved, you're evaluated by what you do. The saved who have really received Jesus by faith, they're going to be evaluated by what they have done towards reward. Those who are not saved, that do not get into eternal life, they did not receive the gift of mercy, the gift of grace for life. They will be evaluated on what they do also and condemned along with that what they did. So you're evaluated. You're saved by faith, but you're evaluated by what you do. Those who are truly saved will truly change. And that's what I'm trying to convey to you, friend, is that you should change. If you've never changed after you supposedly gave your life to Jesus, if there's no change at all, you need to change. You need to get it right today. That's why I'm teaching you this, me- this message today, so that you can get it right this time. You've got to have a change. Those who would never bow to Jesus' authority will demonstrate no change at all. They fail the mercy test. Now, most people 
don't believe that Jesus would actually condemn anybody. They think he's this powder puff God. Yo, do whatever you want to. I love you so much. I'm just going to shower you with tons of blessing no matter what you do. That's not the case. Solomon, the king, he had to condemn Adonijah in order to be a good caretaker of the kingdom that he was entrusted with. Likewise, Jesus will condemn the rebellious. Why is that? Because he has to be a good caretaker of his kingdom as well. It's kind of like when a manager fires a bad employee. The manager doesn't terminate their employment because they're mean. They have to do it because they're responsible for the well-being of the workplace that they are entrusted with. We understand that well in the workplace. Same goes with the Lord Jesus Christ. Same went for Solomon with Adonijah. Because Adonijah was going to tear that whole kingdom to shreds if he got in there. And this was God protecting his people through Solomon. Now, one last point I want to hit here before we close is how Abiathar was fired from the priesthood. That was a perfect example of God's curse on a generation, a generational curse. And the reason I make this point about generational curses is because I've had many times people have come to me, they're afraid that they were the start of a generational curse, that they started it, they're going to hurt their children, their grandchildren, and that all the blame falls on them, and they live under this incredible weight that just sits on their shoulders. They just cannot, they can't have any peace because they think that, well, they're thinking back to some bad thing they did, and they're afraid they started a generational curse, and it's ruined their their peace, their joy, and they can't walk in happiness in the Lord anymore. I want to read to you the entirety of the verse that I showed you earlier, because I didn't read the whole thing. I just showed you the generational curse part. Let me read the whole thing to you so you can see what it says. I did this for a reason. Exodus 20 and 5. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay. Did you see how this verse flipped in the middle? It went one way and then it flipped upside down and ran back the other way. The curse is on those who hate God. That's what it says. On those who hate me, he says. But then it says mercy and it flips over mercy on those who love God. Did you see that? It flipped over. But showing mercy to thousands and those who love me and keep my commandments. See, you got to obey what the Lord says. You cannot just bow down, have emotional tears. Oh, Lord, save me. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Okay, thank you. And walk off and keep doing the same old thing you were doing before, just like Adonijah's doing. Adonijah never changed. You cannot just come before the Lord with a fake confession like that. Now, with Abiathar being fired from the priesthood, if only Abiathar had genuinely loved the Lord and wasn't faking it, same for Adonijah, if only they weren't faking it, but if only Abiathar had really loved the Lord, he would not have taken sides with Adonijah. If Abiathar had chosen to love the Lord, then he would have recognized the covenant calling that was upon Solomon and not upon Adonijah. That generational curse of Eli would have stopped with Abiathar. It would have been different. He would have never been fired from the priesthood if he had changed. What I'm trying to say here is that if you're afraid that your sins have started a generational curse 
and that it's going to run down to your own children, then you can do something about it. You can choose to be where the generational curse stops. Let it stop with you. How do you do this? Paul said that Christ has redeemed us from all the curses of the law. Galatians 3.13 Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Friend, when you give your life to Jesus, and when I say give your life, I don't mean just bow and cry and say, Lord, take over and then run back out the door and keep doing the same old thing you were always doing. I mean, give your life to Jesus as in you hit the submit button. You actually submit to his authority, not the fake claim of there I said it, now you got to save me. But you got to confess while in submission to his authority. That means what Jesus says to do, you actually have to do. That means when Jesus says to do this, you do it. When he says pray, you pray. When he says assemble with the body of believers, you do it. That is the biggest one I see these days is all these Christians saying, I don't have to go to church. Really? You gave your life to the Lord, and in Hebrews 10, it says, assemble with the body of believers, and you, for some reason, don't have to do that. People really have a way of justifying their disobedience. He says, you've got to love me and do what I said. I will show mercy to those who love me and do what I tell them to do. Friends, it's not rocket science. It's as easy. Don't fail the mercy test. If you confess in submission to Jesus' authority, you will be saved not only from your own sin, but from all curses. He broke all the curses. Being saved by Jesus should produce a genuine change in you, but only if you genuinely bowed to his authority. And about being worthy, friends, we're never going to be worthy. Remember, he said, let's see if Adonijah's worthy. Okay, guys, we already blew that. <laughs> it's over for us. We're never, ever going to be worthy. The best you can do are filthy rags to the Lord. But I want you to remember the story of the very first Passover. God never checked inside of each house to see who was worthy. All he did was he checked the doorpost to see who was under the blood of the lamb. And then he passed over them and they were saved. Friends, none of us are worthy, not a one of us, not me, not you, no one. We're not worthy. Only the blood of Jesus can cover us. That's the good news. See, that's the good news, the knowledge of the truth that you're now hearing that we read in Hebrews 10. We sang in my church the other day, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. That means that he did not pin salvation's requirements upon you. He's worthy. He took it upon himself. We only need to bow down and submit to his authority. Have you really done that? Have you really, honestly, given your life to Jesus? You should be obeying him and following what he says. If you're afraid you've never done it right before, let's get it right today before this show's over, okay? Father, forgive me, I've sinned. Lord Jesus, I know you died on the cross to save me, and you paid my death penalty for me. Thank you for doing that. I give you my life. I submit to your authority. Save me, spare me. Please do not condemn me because I now give myself to you and I will obey you. You are now my king. Thank you. I receive your gift. I will walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, I ask these things. Amen. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life.